you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 139 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, the A's are still alive. There's a big game three happening in just a few hours, so I'm going to get you guys ready for that. I'm going to go over game two for a second. Uh, Some questionable calls. Uh, I know that they won, and that was great, but there was uh, some questionable bullpen management that I'm going to dig into, and then in game three, I'm going to get you guys ready. Uh, Starters still have not been announced. It is a 11 15 p.m. on Wednesday night, and we still don't know who's starting uh, tomorrow's games in roughly 12 hours. So uh, I'm gonna go and go ahead and speculate as to who those could be. Uh, I got some insight from the Locked On White Sox guys, I have my own insight for the A's, and by insight, I mean predictions. Uh, I have no sources. Um, so I'm going to go into all that stuff for you guys. But uh, before I get into all that stuff, we are brought to you today by rockauto.com. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So uh, there's that. Also, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to lockedonathletics at gmail.com. So I'm going to talk a lot about the bullpen usage. That's most of my thing for today, but let's focus on some good things first. Uh, First thing that I wrote down, Mark Hanna made a great catch. Uh, If you didn't hear about it, it looked like Joe Rudy's catch 40 years ago. So good on him. That was such a big play. And I'm going to come back to that here in just one second. Uh, Chris Davis and Marcus Simeon both homered. They only had one hit, but they were big hits. They put runs on the board. That accounted for three of the A's runs. Marcus had a two-run homer, and Chris Davis had a solo shot, so that was uh, those three. Sean Murphy keeps hitting the ball hard. I've enjoyed watching him play. He's still at the top of the leaderboards and all the exit velocity stuff. He uh, he almost hit a ball over the foul pole, and they were like, eh, it was foul, and so he just got a base hit anyway. Uh, Sean Murphy, get excited about him, both now and for future seasons. They got, I, I don't like saying they have control of a player, but they do. He's under team control for the next five years. Uh, get excited about Sean Murphy. Um, but I did say on Monday that perhaps the A's may have an advantage in that they've been in the playoffs before. Sure didn't pan out on on Tuesday's game in game one, but on Wednesday, game two, and, and I said specifically, Nick Madrigal may actually boot some balls at second base. Willie booted some balls at second base, and that led to the A's first two runs of the game. Uh, Matt Olson hit one into the shift, and he's like, whoops. And uh, somehow they scored two runs. He didn't just smother the ball. It, he let it get by him into the outfield, and two runs came home to score. So a uh, good job on Nick Madrigal on that one. But the fun did not stop there. He also was on first base and he was either stealing by himself or he was in a hit and run and uh, he was running. And then uh, Tim Anderson behind him got a base hit and he ended up at second base because I believe it was Mark Hanna deeks him out. He fell for a deke in the playoffs. That's good stuff. They say he has a high baseball IQ, but he sure wasn't showing off today. Uh, so he led the two A's runs immediately and then... They had first and second with uh, nobody out, I believe. It should have been first and third. And uh, the next ball that was hit was hit to the wall. And uh, Mark Canna did his best Joe Rudy impression. I'm sure you've heard that comparison, but it's apt. 
it's exactly what that looked like. Uh, the wall looked different, but the players looked the same on the field. Um, so yeah, Mark Hanna made that catch. And if Nick Madrigal was at third base, like he should have been, then he scores. That's three runs. That's the, the difference in the game right now. Or at the end of it, not right now. That was the difference in the game. The A's ended up winning by a score of 5-3. to three. Uh, The White Sox made it close late against the bullpen, specifically Liam Hendricks, and uh, that's a little bit worrisome. Um, but yeah, Nick Madrigal, without him, A's might not win this game. So I don't know if you're going to see Nick Madrigal playing tomorrow, or today as you're listening to this, uh, just because can you afford to have him playing defense right now? He is good with the bat. He does not strike out. He gets two strikes, and he just keeps getting base hits. So that's a plus. But also, do you want to have, uh, what is it, Brooks Conrad? Is that the guy from the Braves who uh, basically allowed the Giants to win their first World Series because he kept booting balls at second base? He did it like two or three times in the same series. Giants moved on. They totally shouldn't have. And uh, there you go. So maybe we got another Brooks Conrad on our uh, on our hands here. And uh, Nick Madrigal, if he plays, I'm looking at him. I'm hitting all the balls at Nick Madrigal. Be like, hey, feel this. Like that scene in The Waterboy when he's looking at the offensive line or the uh, the special teams unit and he's like, uh, who's my bitch? Who's my bitch? Who's my bitch? Uh, that's the one. And that's Nick Madrigal right now at second base. Uh, Hitted it at him because everybody else is pretty sure-handed and whether or not they're doing it at the plate, they're not carrying it into the field. So uh, Nick Madrigal, thanks for uh, keeping us in this, uh, this entire season and this series in particular. Uh, maybe some crazy shit's going to happen. In the A's favor for once in a game, in a series deciding game, that would be wonderful. So uh, yeah, that that would be fun. I'd really enjoy that. They're not facing a vaunted team uh, at this point. They they are still a very scary team, but they're not the Yankees or the Rays are a very scary team too. They're not quite at that level. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens today, and uh, you know who they're going to end up pitching, who the A's are going to end up pitching. I, as I've said before, it's probably Mike Fires because if how they roughed up Jesus Luzardo, but uh, I got some other stats that I'm going to talk about fires here in the second half of this podcast. So uh, it's not as clear cut as I thought it was. So this will be fun. But I do want to talk about Bob Melvin's usage of Liam Hendricks in the eighth and ninth inning. Liam came into the game in the eighth inning after Chris Bassett started the inning for some reason. I don't know why. He gave up a leadoff hit. And then he's like, hey, Liam, now now go f- fix that. And uh, then he gave up a home run to Yasmany Grandal. Uh, they threatened a bunch. And then he got out of it. So, uh, yeah, he threw a ton of pitches. I think he was at 24 pitches after that one inning, which is a decent amount of pitches for a reliever. And then he's like, hey, go do it again against... Hopefully not the heart of their order, unless anybody gets on. And then you got some, uh, you got some tough outs to go get there, Liam. And wouldn't you know, the tough outs came. Um, yeah, the White Sox ended up loading the bases, and then that made uh, Bob Melvin go to Jake Diekman. He got the final out, but oh boy, that was not a fun experience. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we were all very happy for the first seven innings of this game. And then all of a sudden the wheels started coming off and we could just see the postseason just dwindling in front of our eyes. Uh, They came up with the win. They made the pitches when they needed to. That was great. But after Liam Hendricks threw 48 pitches, almost 50 pitches, uh, is, is he actually available or is Bob Melvin just saying he's available to pitch in game three? You know, the deciding game of the season. Um, We might not have the best available especially on the A's and one of the best relievers in baseball available out of the bullpen because that we didn't want to choose anybody else. I I don't, I don't get how that works. Honestly, Um, if it was me, I think that I would have gone 
Liam Hendricks facing the big bats in the lineup in the eighth inning. He would have started the inning. Chris Bassett wouldn't have pitched in the eighth inning at all, so he would have had a clean inning and gone from there. And then if he does happen to give up a couple of runs and he throws 24 pitches, then you bring in somebody else. Bring in Joaquin Soria. I know that he allowed a solo home run to Yasmani Grundahl the day before, but I mean, he's got closing experience. Bring him in. You can save Hendricks, who's a bigger weapon for you in game three, as opposed to using him now. And now if he does come in, the White Sox are like, we own this guy. They're going to be looking their chops. Hendricks is basically ineffective in game three, if you do bring him in, because he's going to be super tired from throwing 50 pitches the day before. And also the White Sox want to face him right now. They have all the confidence in the world against Liam Hendricks. So for those couple of reasons, I, I would have taken him out in the ninth personally, uh, before he did, but I would have not had him pitch in the ninth inning. I would have given somebody a clean inning and said, go get him, uh, clap on the back and all that stuff. Uh, and now the A's are kind of in a tricky situation. It, it depends on how many of their pitchers are available. If Wendelkin's available to go another two innings, that could be a huge difference maker for the A's. Otherwise, they may have to rely on Lou Trevino, and he can be really good. He's been good in the playoffs for the A's, but do you trust him right now? He had a 563 ERA in September. We're flipping a new month, and he did have a much better ERA in August, so that was a plus, but he gave up five runs in eight innings in September. And I know that it was only three outings in which he gave up runs, but again, you're playing, it, it's roughly a 50-50 shot at that point. Do you really want to go and uh, hand your postseason and your whole season over to Lou Trevino and hope that he gives you something good? Or, uh, you know, do you want to throw a lefty out there? I'm going to be talking about all this here, and uh, I'm going to expand on this just a little bit more here in the second half. I want to go over some of the uh, the White Sox starters and who they could be throwing out there. My guess is we're going to be seeing a slew of bullpen arms. That is my lockdown guarantee of the century of today. But to find out who may be pitching and who is probably going to be pitching for the White Sox, you're going to have to stick around. So uh, stay locked in with Locked On A's. I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box and let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you like podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. So let's get into it. Pitching matchups. I alluded to some of it before. Um, as for the A's, I think that it's Mike Fires followed by Frankie Montas. That makes the most sense to me. Keep going with righties. See what they can give you. And uh, go from there. I'll go a little bit deeper into that real quick. But I was listening. Oh, well, I talked to the uh, one of the hosts of Locked On White Sox, Herb Lawrence. And then I listened to their podcast. Uh, there's two of them. That's why I'm saying there. Uh, I listened to their podcast. And they were talking about who they would start in game three. And uh, they, they feel like Dane Dudding might be out of gas. So he probably isn't going to be getting the pill to start the game. So they're, they're thinking bullpen. 
and that is a little bit more scary. Uh, they're saying that they're going to go Foster, Hoyer, Crochet, Bummer, Marshall, Colomay. That's their ideal situation. You get a couple innings from the first two guys, maybe even Crochet, and you go 7-8-9 with Bummer, Marshall, Colomay. And uh, you see what you get from there. But as I said yesterday, the one thing that I do like about bullpenning this game is you got uh, one, two, three, six guys right there. All six guys have to be on to hold for this plan to work. If any of them gets into trouble, then all of a sudden you're bringing somebody else into a situation that you didn't want them to pitch in or just bringing somebody else in that you didn't necessarily want to pitch in the first place. So that could end up going well for the A's if that is the route that the White Sox take. It makes sense for me. Uh, they said that the A's are having a hard time handling uh, righties with velocity. These guys are all, well, most of them are righties with velocity. Crochet, the rookie that I talked about in the series preview, uh, he is a lefty, obviously, and he throws 100, so he's... Uh, a, a fun little one to get into. Uh, he has thrown six major league innings. He was drafted this year. So can they touch him up? Will nerves get the best of them? Uh, I'll take that chance, I think. Give him as, as much as you want. Uh, bring him in in like the fourth. Let, let's see what the his bats can do. And then uh, the other one that is also a lefty is Aaron Bummer. That uh, They had him going back to back. I don't know if it was sequentially how they had them laid out, but say they were. Uh, obviously, that would mean that some right-handed bats for the A's are going to be facing some lefties, and I don't think that that's something that, that uh, Rick Renteria of the White Sox, the, right, the White Sox manager, uh, that they would necessarily want to do. So probably see predominantly righties. Maybe you bring in Crochet to face Matt Olson and Jake Lamb if he's starting and uh, go from there, and then you bring in Bummer the lefty in the seventh inning or whatever situation would call for him facing Matt Olson so that you get those mat matchups. I'm not trying to game plan for the White Sox here. I'm just saying this is probably how I would do it if I was in their shoes. Uh, they got a bunch of really good relievers. They all have roughly two ERAs. Uh, they don't walk a lot. Maybe they have a three K or three walks per nine, and they all have roughly nine Ks per nine. So they're solid pitching. They have a solid group. I know the A's bullpen gets a lot of credit, but uh, if the A's bats aren't hitting, then these guys can shut them down. That's, that's not a question really in my mind. So the A's bats need to get going. Um, they need to have another, maybe even score more runs than they did on Wednesday. They may have to score six or seven runs to really provide some of that gap because Mike Fires is a solid pitcher. He had a great outing against the Dodgers. Were the Dodgers trying their best? I don't know. But he went five innings, gave up two runs. That's solid. He also uh, went five innings, gave up three runs against the Padres at the height of their Padres-ness. So another good start against a good team. Uh, a team that had not seen him, like the White Sox. So that's something that is a plus. On the downside, though, and I'm just trying to paint a full picture here. Uh, I am. I, I, I think you got to go with Mike Fires at this point. And just quick side note on why you should probably go with Mike Fires over Shamanaya to start the game, and maybe even at all, is because if you have Shamanaya in the game, that means that Sean Murphy is on the bench. And if you have to switch Shamanaya in there later in the game, that means you're taking Sean Murphy out of the game because Sean Murphy has been excelling with Jonah Heim behind the dish. And I like Jonah Heim a lot. He's great. But it, the bat in the lineup that I want is Sean Murphy's bat. He destroys baseballs. Uh, his exit velocity is great. So for that reason, I think that you got to go with not Sean Manaya in this game because then it kind of screws up your offensive game plan just a little bit. 
And uh, Jonah can definitely come up with a big hit, but can he get you one over the fence in a, in a hurry, get you into a game? I know that Sean Murphy's only been hitting solo homers, but uh, maybe he can get one with a couple of guys on base, and then that's a difference maker. So that's something to keep an eye on, or you know, to think about as an added layer to the decision of who should start in this big game three. Um, so I think that it should be Mike Fires. He hasn't been good in Oakland. He has a 6.30 ERA in the Coliseum this year. Uh, that's obviously not ideal. Uh, he is also not good in day games. Uh, they did not have his ERA on baseball reference in day games, but he is giving up a 297 batting average, so that's not good. Uh, so something you got to keep an eye on, obviously. Uh, his first time through the order is definitely his best. I don't know that I would want him, and, and he would have to really mow down guys and go, you know, three up, three down, three innings in a row to get the most out of them. Because uh, I don't know that I would necessarily want him going a second time through the order. Just to give you some numbers to go with what I'm saying here. Uh, in his first time through the order, first time that a batter is seeing him in a plate appearance, they're batting 209 against him. So that's pretty good. I think you would take that. Second time through the order, they're hitting 363 against him with a 404 on base. That is something that you don't want to see, especially against this White Sox lineup. And with Tim Anderson at the top of that lineup, if he goes through three, one, two, three innings somehow, uh, which I'm, he, he has the capabilities of doing this. Maybe he is a big game guy. Uh, he only pitched one inning in the playoffs in 2015, and uh, he gave up a run in that inning. So I don't know if he's a big game guy yet. We He hasn't gotten the opportunity, so we'll see. But uh, Tim Anderson against him is six for 13. That is a four. 462 batting average and a 500 on base percentage. So uh, if he does get that second time through the order, that's the first guy that he's facing. And if he got him out the first time, uh, numbers say he would get a hit the second time. And uh, that's just not some a, a path that you necessarily want to go down. So if he can give you three, that's great. Obviously, you would want more out of Mike Fires in a general start, but it's do or die. And you got to play some numbers here and there. And I think that they might go to Frankie Montas, start throwing him some heat off the right side. Um, if he's locating and if he has enough stuff, then uh, I think you can shut him down for a couple of innings. And then maybe you can go with, actually, yeah, that could work. Um, then this is all depending on nobody getting any hits ever. But uh, if you can go for the bottom three in the order in the sixth. So you would have three from Fires, two from Montas. Then if you get to the sixth and it's the bottom of the order, uh, maybe you go Lou Trevino in that one. And uh, that can get you an inning right there. And then you you got some some wiggle room. Uh, and not a lot, but a, a little bit. Because you, you got Liam Hendricks. Is he available? Or do you even want to use him at this point? Because the White Sox kind of took it to him a little bit. Um, also... He does pitch better. He, he likes pitching on three consecutive days, and he got two days worth of pitching already, so maybe he'd be uh, nice and loose and actually better than he was uh, in Wednesday's game. Maybe that's something that that's something that only Bob Melvin knows. Uh, I do not. I don't know if he performs better when he's a little bit more tired. Sometimes that you get more sync on uh, you know, your pitches and all that stuff, and you get more movement. That's something that happens. Is Liam Hendricks one of those guys? I'm not positive, but it is something to keep an eye out for. Uh, if he's feeling good, give him the ninth if, if you need to. Um, Joaquin Soria is probably your other best option. I know Petit is good, but at the same time, he is a fly ball pitcher facing a home run uh, happy lineup. So do you really want to throw him out there and, you know, test chance right there? How how, how uh, ready to go is J.B. Wendelkin? That is something that could come into play. He pitched two and two-thirds against the White Sox in the first game. He shut him down. He was looking good. Uh, do you want to give him another look at JB in this short of a time span? I'm not positive, but with those results that he got, 
maybe and he had like a few days off before this so he's probably rested enough i chance it i think the jb wendelkin as i've said you know since the podcast started he's a closer in waiting he can handle those beginnings uh may, may as well just start him off in the playoffs why not so that's all the bad news that's the doom and gloom that uh, i have going for you guys i don't know if they have enough pitchers that you can trust that can get you the nine innings that you need um with fires numbers the second time through the order i don't know why you would have him go a second time through the order but if he's looking good maybe i don't know uh that that's not up to me that's up to bob and uh so hopefully he can make better decisions that he did on wednesday but i do want to give you guys some of the numbers that mike fires has against these white Sox in his career uh jose abreu is only hitting 150 in 20 at bats that is a huge plus if he can get jose abreu to ground into you know an a game ender right there. That'd be nice. I uh, do that two days in a row. Uh, Tim Anderson, as I said before, has owned him. He's hitting 462 and 13 at bats. Edwin Encarnacion, I'm doubting that we're going to see him, but he's been terrible against him. Uh, Adam Engel is two for five. So uh, w- when it's that low, you got to have at least double digit at bats against a pitcher for me to be like, okay, that means something. Two for five, nothing. One for three, nothing. I, I don't care. So just sticking with the guys that have double digit at bats against him, Nomar Mazzara, he is six for 29. That is a 207 uh, batting average. James McCann, who maybe he'll play, but probably not with the way Yasmani Grandal's been playing, uh, you know, swinging the swinging the stick and all that stuff. Uh, Yohan Mancata is four for 12. That's 333. He has a 429 on base. And then Yolmer Sanchez is 0 for 11. And uh, if he does play for Nick Madrigal, then maybe, but they're probably going to shove Madrigal back out there. Um, so yeah, that is that does offer some encouragement. As a team, they're hitting 215 against them with a 303 on base. And those are both uh, well below league average in any season. Uh, Chris Bassett's numbers were obviously a lot better. These are like double the numbers of Chris Bassett, but he has had success against these guys. He's been wanting the ball in the playoffs. Maybe that's enough to, you know, get, get him some confidence, get, get him some innings. If we get four innings out of Mike Fires, I'm happy. Uh, do I want him to face anybody a second time? No, but maybe he has a perfect game going. I don't know. I don't know what the situation would be, but uh, if it happens, it happens, and I'm very happy with that. And before I get out of here, I want to tell you guys some of these A stats against the White Sox closer, Alex Colome. They have hit him fairly well, and his numbers don't suggest that he's necessarily a hugely different pitcher. His K rate's a little bit down. His walk rate's about the same as other years. His ERA is under one, but he's also pitched 40 less innings, 40 fewer innings. Um, so it's a small sample size. Maybe he could have been hit around a couple of times, and then all of a sudden his ERA is roughly three like it usually is. So, uh, yeah, his FIP is roughly 290. So uh, he has pitched like a 290 pitcher. So um, I, I have some hope. If the A's are down by a run in the ninth, then you got a slew of guys who have done well against him. Chris Davis is one for eight, but he does have a home run. None of these guys have double-digit at-bats like I was just uh, clamoring for in the just a couple of minutes ago here, but as a team, I'll just go as a team. They're hitting 391 with a 610 on base percentage. That is ownership, my friends. I know they didn't do anything against them in game one, but they got to see them, which thank you, Mr. Renteria. That's that could be helpful. That could end up coming back to bite you. Um, just real quick, Mark Ham is one for three. Chris Davis is one for eight. Robbie Grossman's two for three, so that's something that's good. Um, Tony Kemp doesn't have a hit. He won't be playing. Uh, Jake Lamb hasn't faced him at all. Uh, Ramon Laureano is one for two, 
That's a plus. Uh, Matt Olson, no surprise here. 0 for 2. Uh, uh, Chad Pinder is 2 for 2. Biscotti's 1 for 1. And Simeon is 2 for 7. So it looks like there's some wiggle room to get to them if, if they need to. Just a couple of key stat lines here for guys that might be facing other guys. Uh, Aaron Bummer, he most likely will not face Chris Davis unless Chris Davis has moved up to, into the roughly Matt Olson range of the lineup. And uh, Matt Olson is, it'd be a lefty on lefty for Matt Olson. He's one for three with a double. Chris Davis is two for three with an RBI. He is not homered off of him, but he's been swinging the ball a lot or the bat a lot better. So uh, maybe he gets an opportunity in this game. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. I would thoroughly enjoy watching Chris Davis face any lefties at this point. Uh, he's been doing okay. So I, I he's restoring my confidence just a little bit. And uh, may, maybe he can start facing some righties too. That'd be a lot of fun. Just moving right along though. Evan Marshall, uh, he, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to face the A's. Uh, they're two for eight against him on the whole. Uh, those two hits are Tommy Lastella, who's one for two, and Ramon Laureano, who is one for two or one for one with a home run. So uh, that, that's it on that one. Uh, Robbie Grossman's over two. Piscotti's over one. Simeon's over two. So not a lot of experience in facing Evan Marshall. And then Foster, Hoyer, and Crochet, the A's have not faced. So, but there is tape on them now. They're new to the league. Uh, maybe they've been doing some scouting on their own time and they're going to have some, uh, some nice scouting reports on like Garrett Crochet, uh, six innings. And I know that he's been dominant. He has a electric hundred mile an hour fastball from the left side, but, uh, he is brand new to baseball and they probably didn't, did not have scouting reports on him for at least the first three, I would say appearances that he had. Uh, so maybe there's been enough time and the A's have a nice scouting report on him. They know what his pitch mix t kind of is, something like that. And then uh, they can run into one or five and uh, go from there. So obviously this isn't going to be an easy game for the A's at all. It, it's not going to be an easy game for the White Sox either. Um, the White Sox are more rested in the bullpen. So that gives me a little bit of concern. But otherwise, I mean, the A's have more experience. They've been, they, they've got the veteran players to do this, I think. And uh, just not even just postseason experience, just more experience in baseball. Uh, I know that they got like Jose Abreu on the other side and all that stuff. But um, basically, I think that this is going to be a close game. It's going to be whoever has the better break, really. Uh, whoever executes better. It's not going to be a big like seven to one victory or anything like that. It's going to be a closely contested game and uh, it's going to be a matter of execution. That That's what it's going to take. The White Sox guys are very, very chesty. They think that they got this one in the bag. So uh, we're going to have to see. Hopefully uh, the A's shut them up a little bit and the A's can continue in the postseason, get that monkey fully off their backs. Uh, that They started prying some fingers off today. So uh, we'll see how Thursday goes and uh, go from there. But uh, win or lose, it's been great doing this with you guys. Hopefully we have a fun podcast tomorrow. Um, just one quick note, though. I said a couple of weeks ago that there was a death in the family. That uh, funeral is happening at 1030 on uh, on Thursday. So I will not be live tweeting the game immediately. I'll, I'll come in whenever it's over and all that stuff. Because um, you got to, you know, say hi to people and things like that. Give a lot of hugs. Give some love. Um, so I'm not going to be rushing out of there necessarily. So, uh, it might be like one o'clock until I, uh, I start hitting the tweets. Uh, I will try and keep up with the game, but also funeral. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a quick note for you guys, but, uh, enjoy the game. Let's go out there and get a win. You guys, let's keep the postseason party going. I'm having fun. I want to, I want to keep talking about baseball. I don't want to have to talk about like another team in the playoffs. That'd be stupid. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get out of here, you guys. So in the meantime, stay indoors and celebrate good times. Oakland, keep wearing those masks. Let's bring home another win. It worked yesterday. So let's bring home another win and uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.